Living your full hotness and essence is a sexy and messy journey, but so worth it. Join us for juicy chats and meet hot and inspiring humans with me, your host, Sherry Chiprut. So I was just sitting here contemplating pressing play or record on this podcast because it's kind of a tough subject. And I looked down and it was 222 and I thought, okay, I can do this. We can do these things. We can do these hard things and we can show up in courage, right? We can do that. Why? Because today I'm talking about shame and even the word evokes a feeling in me. It creates a little mini eruption in my gut and in my heart. And so I thought, if I feel this way, we all face shame at some point. So it's worth talking about. And what really prompted it this morning, or I should say in the week leading up to this desire to talk about it, was this idea of Well, this journey of self-love and to self-worth, and I was really reflecting on that journey, and I think it just started to take me back and then back and then back and then back and to where, you know, these seeds are planted where shame can start to arise. And for me, shame is that feeling that shows up for me, you know, in my gut, in my heart. Those are the places where it lands. And makes me feel a little queasy when things that are exceptionally vulnerable or things that I feel like I could be judged by or things that make me feel less worthy, quote unquote, in this world arise. And I do equate them with learned behaviors and experiences that I and we collectively would have experienced in the past. You know, we're not born with shame. We're born loud and proud into this world, right? So where does the shame come from? And it's from these learned experiences and these traumas that can show up along the way. And I do believe though, that the journey to self-love and the growth into that will lead to liberation. And when I say liberation, I mean our capacity to shine the light on these things and function in the world in a much more expansive way. You know, we're never free, you know, we're free in our hearts, but we're never like totally free from our past. And I think this idea, or I don't know about you, but I have this habit of trying to, you know, make it go away, make it go away. And every time I try to make it go away, it somehow gets stronger or, It just becomes a little more rigid. It plants its heels in harder than my capacity to try to eke it out. And so my therapist is always saying, Sherry, we're not here to make it go away. We're here to soften the edges around it and create a new relationship. And so how do we create a new relationship with shame? It's like you can't even talk about that word without mentioning Brene Brown's name in this world, right? But Brene Brown speaks to you know, creating deeper connection and vulnerability and the capacity for that and showing up in this space of shame and judgment, but shifting from that space into and shifting the doubt that comes up and shifting the things that keep us small into a space of that wholeness and expansiveness while also 
being vulnerable, but guarding it as well. You know, when we love ourselves, we're not like also out in the world saying, let me spread this love to everybody. Like, yes, be love, be love, like capital L love, but also recognize that we can be vulnerable and have those boundaries, right? And we can grow and we can show up in ourselves, capital S, and still have pretty wicked boundaries around what that is and like what makes us comfortable in the world, you know, and building trust and building intimacy and connection within that framework that's the most comfortable for us. And, you know, that leads me to when I looked backwards this morning and one of the things that really showed up for me was that weak no I had for a long time. You know, I had this eroded no from when I was a very young age because my job, quote unquote, was to be a fixer and a people pleaser at a very young age. And so that created a pretty weak no for me, you know, with the environment that I grew up in. And now it's like, no, my no needs to be super strong because I know how I need to feel in this world. But there was a time where it wasn't. And all those years of a week no evoked a tremendous amount of shame, you know? And yeah, I mean, we can look at other things too. Like I was reflecting on all the times that I was bullied, which started at a very young age. I remembered this story today. And like, as I'm telling these things, you know, all I feel is that like, oh, that pit in my stomach dread, which is what I evoke, what I associate with shame. I think all of us, you know, if we stopped and we said, you know, we did the, you know, one of the the things I wanted to mention at the end was as one of the tools we can use to start to work within this framework of shame is somatic, somatic work and somatic therapy, which I dug into pretty deeply for many years. And I love that exercise. Well, I hated it in the beginning. Okay, let me let me rephrase that. I fucking hated this exercise in the beginning, but because I did not want to be in my body. But now I say, where does this feeling live? When I say the word shame, where does it live? And for me, and I keep saying the pit of my stomach and my heart. And that's where it lives for me. That's where my anxiety lives. You know, every time my therapist said, so where does it land in your body? Inevitably, it was my heart or my gut. So that being said, when I talk about shame, you can guarantee that I'm sitting here. If you want to know how it feels in my body right now, I'm somewhere in between nauseous and like somebody's continually punching me in the gut. And then my heart is like in butterflies and... I could almost cry, you know, it's, it's so deeply rooted in my being. So everything that I've accomplished in my life, everything that I've done is with this rooted within me, this feeling. And there was a time where it had the driver's seat. And so going back to the bullying story, I remember, yeah, I had it in primary school too, but this this was this was a moment that really stuck with me. I got to high school, I was in grade nine, and I was transitioning from a private school to a public school. I went to a Jewish private school where I never really quite fit in. So insert shame there. 
uh, I always felt a little different. So then I got to high school and the people that I went to school with that did carry over into the high school with me ignored me completely. So insert more shame, right? And then I found a new group of friends that I thought were very cool. They were like, you know, a bit tough, not tough, but like they were like the rebellious kids, but I was down for that. I was like, I'm going to be a cigarette smoking, like tough, but cool, but like hot kid. And, you know, 14, I looked way older than I was, which was dangerous. You know, that was always very dangerous, but I was hanging out with these people and, you know, they were fun and I went to parties and, you know, despite the fact that I came from a strict home, I still managed to hang out with them and they had no curfew. I did stuff like that. I came from a very strict home, which I'll talk about in a moment. But I remember one day, you know, I like to be friends with different people. I've always been like that. And I had these friends that I was sitting with that wasn't this particular group at lunchtime one day in this like open area we called the foyer where everybody like, it was like out of a movie. This foyer was like out of a movie. Cause like these cool people sat in this corner and that was their spot every day. Just like you see, you know, in every movie where you walk up and you're like, okay, these kids are there. The cool kids are there. The, I don't know. I can't think of all the categories right now, but I went to one of those high schools. And so I was in, I usually sat in this one spot with my normal group of friends, these new friends that I made. But one day I had these other friends I wanted to hang out with. And so I just went and sat with them for a little bit at lunch, which I guess was a no-no. But this is the funny part. It wasn't funny, but it's funny. I needed to wear glasses and I didn't wear glasses. (laughs) Like truly. So I would squint a lot and I couldn't see far away. And I just couldn't admit to myself that I wanted, I needed to wear glasses yet because I thought, oh God, I don't want to wear frames. And I hadn't thought about contact lenses yet. Anyway, so I'm squinting away and I see my friends sort of, but like I can only see them through the squint, right? (laughs) And so I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm squinting and I think I waved, but I maybe I didn't. And they thought, Not only was I ignoring them because I couldn't see them, like legit couldn't see them, but I was squinting. So that was a dirty look, (laughs) if you can imagine. So next thing I know, I am enemy number one, like seriously enemy number one, which led to the rest of the year of like the worst bullying. And this includes physical threats. There was graffiti on my locker. There was like defacing of my property. There was like, you name it. I went through it. And we're talking like, these are people that would like kick the, like they would beat you up if you went too far with them. Like they were like of that nature. One of them in particular, she was, she was big. Like this, this like 15 year old girl or 16, she was a bit older than me. I mean, I'm pretty sure she was like already like 5'10 and she was built like a house and she would be like physically threatening me at, at my locker. So that's the level of bullying that that entailed from what me squinting. But can you imagine? I was like already rejected by one group. I'm trying to like find myself a little in this whole new school. I'm a little quirky. And now I'm being bullied and like the little safe, what I thought was kind of cool space that I was in was no longer. And not only was it no longer, but it was like in the face of bullying. 
Yeah. So kick in the gut, right? And I'm telling the story because, you know, it's nice to add light to a dark time. It's kind of how we circumvent shame, right? Like we don't let it live in the shadows, but we have to, like I'm turning 48. I think this is an interesting topic now. I'm turning 48 in less than two months. And this is like one of the first times that I'm saying this out loud. I've shared it with close, close people, but I've never, not never on a platform, you know? And I think it's important when we are creating a platform and platforms for growth and stuff like that, that in our best way that we can within the limited, the limits of our boundaries and our vulnerability that we're willing to share that we do so to shine the light on these journeys. Right. And I'm such a firm believer in honoring our journey. So here I am. I texted my friend before (laughs) I said, I'm going to go record a podcast on shame because he knows that I'm kind of really hitting it in the head. I guess I don't want to be, Again, I'm not trying to get rid of it. I'm just trying to change the relationship to it. And I just said, please wish me good luck because I'm really worried about the vulnerability hangover that's going to come from this conversation because these are these things that I kept within me for so many years. So there's one moment of many in my life that really sparked that shame spiral while also taking a deep or a, a real kick at my self-worth, right? Uh, anyway, so there's one. <laughs> and those voices, you know, we start to integrate those voices, right? So I would go to school and be bullied. And then I would go home and be bullied, to put it in those terms. And so I never had a safe space. So at some point, you start to dissociate. And so dissociation was my coping mechanism from a very young age. You know, I dealt with depression and I dealt with, you know, self-harm thoughts and lifestyle stuff that helped me escape from a pretty young age because at some point the pain became too much. So the other thing that I was very good at was reinventing myself through all these things. But when you reinvent yourself all the time, when you become this like chameleonic person to just try to fit in. So there was no pain and you, you know, you just keep this environment of like, I wanted to be connected to community, you know, which Brene Brown talks about too, you know, these connections are important to our well-being, but I had to do it in a way that removed all of my authenticity essentially. So of course it's always going to peek through, you know, you're never going to totally hide who you are. It's just, it's not possible, but we enter into spaces with a facade and I became queen of the facade truly. And so I could reinvent myself over and over and over. So I did in high school, I reinvented myself multiple times. I ended up leaving and going to boarding school because, you know, I was still getting into a bit of trouble here, but I had to reinvent myself again. I went overseas, but I noticed that, you know, I still carried, you know, the shame started to build and build because then we entered into the space of my weak no. And that often related to, you know, it's like even hard for me to say out loud, but to, to men and dating, right? So I'm being punched in the gut with that sentence again, (laughs) but we're shining the light, right? Because I want you to understand that A, if you've experienced any of this stuff, you're not alone. And I'm not, I don't want to be alone in it anymore. But also that I'm going to speak to the journey to 
also help to repair and to um, heal and where I'm at now and why I think it's all coming up, right? Because I'm in the space of, you know, we talked about liberation. I'm in a space of staring into the face of my dreams and being able to help more people grow. I believe, you know, every time we come to a place of growth, there's something that arises to heal. And it can be a small thing like a new yoga class. And well, that's not small. When you first walk into a yoga class or a new class, that's big. It feels big. First day of school jitters are real. But, you know, we face growth and we face, we have to look at ourselves and say, okay, you know, like what's keeping me from this? What is that pattern? Creating some self-awareness, right? Everybody has a first class. So I'm facing a new first class because I'm in the space of real growth and really stepping into my dreams. And I started to call those in by calling in self-love and connecting to, you know, the title of this podcast, which is the hotness, but I'm really speaking to that human journey today. So there is that other side. There is another side, but the shame is still there. I'm 40 years old and the shame is still there. And I'm here to say, I want to shine light on it. So then this other story came through today and Another tough one to say out loud. I remember I was dating this guy. We were best friends and then we started to date. And so he was somebody that knew me a little more intimately than most people because we had spent hours upon hours like having deep philosophical and spiritual discussions before we even considered going out together. And I didn't even know I liked him until like this one event, you know, where I was like, oh shit, like I really, I'm really digging this guy. But so we started dating and it was mutual. And I remember going to his house one day and, you know, I just looked at him and this often happened to me, even though I, I attracted really like a tremendous amount of suitors in my life. It sounds old fashioned when I say suitors, but I did. I still do. Um, but I wasn't in my worth. So I couldn't understand why they would want me, why they would see me as special. And I looked at him and I said, I remember he did something really special for me. And I said, well, why did you do that for me? And he said, well, because I like you, obviously, you know? And I was like, yeah, but I don't understand why. Like, I didn't feel worthy of it. And I was like, I, I don't feel special. I don't feel, you know, worthy of that. Or I can't remember what my exact words were, but I do remember when I said whatever that was, you know, because I basically never really felt like I loved myself. And so therefore I could never really allow that love in. So I was in a space of some often being surrounded by people. I'm a Libra I, with Leo moon. Like I am surrounded by people. I'm very social. So I've always been, you know, I made it my mission when those, those early stories from high school happened. I made it my mission. What I could control was the environment I was in and like being kind of, Queen of the pack was kind of my control, you know, dressing a certain way, presenting a certain way. Those were the things I could control. So that's what I did. I loved fashion. And so even when I met this guy, I was in this, the midst of the club scene. And I used to love to go out and be this, you know, this like dazzling center of the room and say hello to everybody I know. And how are you? And hugs. And I loved when people said, oh my God, I love your outfit because I put so much energy into how I looked. And that was really like a bomb to an emptiness that was really residing within me because of all the shame that I had accumulated. And I remember saying to him, like, 
something to the effect of like, I didn't, I don't deserve love or I don't know. I can't remember the exact words. And the look on his face was the shocking part, you know, because here he is seeing me who is this like glittery person. He used to joke about, you know, when we were friends, like he would watch me from across the room all the time. Like he was like this keen, this keen aware person of me and my mannerisms and my behaviors when I, we were out and he would watch me from across the room. And he said, like, I would watch men talk to you and they would just like, there would like this melting would happen. Right. I don't know. I guess I'm charming. I'm not saying I'm trying to be a bit modest because, you know, I think it's an energetic thing. Even now I don't, I don't understand, but I guess it's a quality I've had my whole life. But he was like, I just watch men melt. So that's the person that he knows. And I'm sitting there and that what he's observed and what he thought he was going to end up dating. And then I show up, this wounded, my wounded inner child suddenly came to the room and it was like, what the fuck? And so can you imagine the shame I felt in that moment, you know? And just to say, like, after that high school moment, I also had a couple of more, like, real bullying moments with girlfriends that, you know, we don't need to, like, get into details, but they were intense. And people that, like, really went out of their way to diminish my light in the process. And I think that's where I'm at now, right? Because I'm like, I need to shine my light. This is like a non-negotiable. I am here to shine my light. I've been working with the same intention of like for like six months. And I put out these like really like sky high goals, you know, with my partner and I in um, dream up labs that we're creating. We call it, you know, we call it, we say those big moonshot dreams, right? I sent a trajectory for like a big one. I want to build an empire there. I'm saying it out loud. There's just no shame today, is there? And I think in that process, you know, all these stories started to come out about the places where I didn't shine and where I couldn't, I started to shrink. And here I am wanting to take up more space. Like I did this meditation this week where my teacher had us spread our arms out, you know, from our heart and like picture the energy emanating out from our heart to our fingers you know, and beyond so that we become one with all that is. And, you know, you're doing exercises like that. And then you have this intention of create, taking up more space. And then you look at what's holding you and it's this shame and it's this like lack of love and lack of worth. And to historically what's kept you there. And you're like, and I'm like, I'm turning 48 years old and I'm ready to say, fuck it. Like I am done. I am so done. So I'm sharing that journey with you because I know that I'm not alone. And I keep saying this, but it's the truth. And I think it's the bomb that's allowing me to tell the story. But imagine, and I know some of you have probably faced this because I've spoken to people like that have, and I've worked with people that have. Imagine, you know, I want to step into this seat of empowering people and being an authority and in my coaching business and in all the times I've sat across from somebody and said, you know, I am here to help you and I am here to help you heal. And I'm here to guide that because I consider myself a guide and a mentor. And this voice in my head of, by the way, your shame is alive and well. 
and the guilt that shows up so many times, that imposter, right? We all have these imposters, the imposter that says, that's fueled by the shame that says, hey, who the fuck are you to offer advice? Or who am I to even tell the story in the face of being of helping others? They're going to look at you and say, well, you're a hot mess. Why would I work with you? And I can't tell you how many times that tripped me up, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> I'll add one more thing to the, to the pile of shame. <laughs> so we have bullying, which was a big one. We have my weak no. I didn't talk about addiction, but I have addiction. I have um, a missed, well, lack of diagnosis or misdiagnosis for, we'll say ADHD. You know, I was the smartest kid in the class, but I couldn't apply myself, quote unquote. But I did. And my parents sent me for testing and everything, but they tested me for aptitude. You know, I went to the therapist and stuff. They tested me for aptitude, but girls, I wasn't bouncing it off the wall. So I wasn't tested for anything else. You know, girls presented for ADHD, they presented differently. And it runs in my family. Like I just, I literally just came from breakfast with my cousin and he was like, we're talking about these things. And I said, you know, we're just a wonderfully creative bunch and we're misunderstood and the system isn't built for us. But, you know, he reminded me that we're like, there's a bit of anxiety and there's, you know, we have uh, a lot of people, my cousins that, you know, may have learning disabilities or ADHD or on the spectrum. So it's actually within my lineage, which is a funny thing to say and could, again, invoke shame. But for me, it doesn't because I know who I am and I'm very proud. But when I was young, that was hard because I couldn't excel scholastically like some of my peers. Even now, as I was creating this, the notes for this podcast, I don't have a memory that, you know, I often listen to podcasts where people are quoting directly from sources and I don't have that memory to do that. So yes, I'll pull up things, you know, to, I'll, I'll prepare, but, you know, my friends that can recite movie lines or recite things from texts. I can't do that. My brain doesn't work that way. So that's always been a source of shame. But yet I can take very large concepts and break them down into bite-sized pieces, whether they be, you know, scientific or spiritual. I can look at them and understand them and then apply them into daily life. But because I can't quote directly from what I read and reference shame overtakes me. So I stay small. So these are some of the factors. So I said addiction, I said the childhood bullying, I said, you know, trauma from my childhood, and then some adult bullying as well, you know, and on and on. I've had worked in, you know, these toxic environments sometimes too, or I've had bullying through peers and people I've worked for, but peers, especially in my workplace that also question my worth. So you can see a pattern here. So now I'm here to take up more space, right? I'm here to help other people shine. This is my mission in this world. You know, when we talk about purpose, that is my purpose. But that human journey, you know, I talk about in our title, Hot, Magical, and Human, that human journey can really, really impact that outcome. It can really, really impact. We have to really sit and honor it and feel it. You know, I'm feeling it now. My dissociation kicks in as soon as I enter into this. 
uncomfortable space. Oh yeah, I have dissociation. I have panic attacks. Also, fuels shame. And I could say, oh, I'm a hot mess. Why do I even show up to help others? Why? Why would I do that? But it's my purpose. It's my mission. It's all I want to do. It's what drives me every day. It's my dream. And it's what I want to build my empire off of. But the places that I think that we see the most shame and I've doubled in all of these as a result is, you know, from our past, we often have money shame around our relationship to our body. Sex is a big one, you know, especially these puritanical societies that bring us up. I mean, you look at all of these things, you know, holistically, they're not, we're a product of our environments and conditioning, right? These aren't things that we are born with, you know, our desires are natural or confusion around things that are related to capitalism and are natural, you know, but we build shame around them, around just our well-being and, and the things we don't know, like money. If we don't know, we're shamed. If we do know, we're shamed, you know, we're not shamed when we know, but not asking for help is, you know, and saying, hey, we need help, I should say. There's shame around that. There's obviously wonderful people that are trying to dismantle that, but it's hard because we're dealing with these deep-seated, gut-punching things and societies that don't necessarily say that the norm is to ask for help and to create self-awareness and so on and so forth. We're taught to escape. I remember, <laughs> oh, this is an embarrassing one, discovering you know, my dad's magazines <laughs> at a young age and uh, hoarding them <laughs> you know as I was coming into my sexual self and just being curious like it was actually it was very innocent I was just very curious and I really appreciated the physical form at a young age and the discovery of my own right but there's nothing like realizing your dad knows you're stealing his magazines to really fuel shame so there young sexual shame for you <laughs> I can't believe I just said that story out loud <laughs> I'm like, we all have that story. I'm sure of it. I really liked the letters because I have such a vivid imagination. While I like the photos, there was like the penthouse letters and stuff like that. Oh my God, I love those letters. I'm like, you know, I'm like, how is this poor schlub who drives a truck or whatever? I don't know. Like, all of a sudden has this like explicitly amazing experience, <laughs> but you could really get lost in the story, you know, erotic stories or something special. Anyway, that was my thing, but I was quite young and I remember the discovery and just sitting. I remember we went skiing. We used to go skiing as a family every weekend and we were skiing and I was on the chairlift with my dad and I knew and he knew and we just didn't say anything, but like, oh my God, I could have thrown up from that shame. <laughs> <laughs> okay so we understand it hindered my growth I really struggled to shine we all have moments in this path in this journey mine just extended for many years and I had to spend many years peeling away the shame like an onion which is how we all heal we start to peel back the layers you know in yoga we talk about this stuff a lot the samskaras and the layers that are built, the habits and the stories that we've built around our hearts. And I say my heart, you know, because like that's where I feel that God punch a lot is in the heart, but that's also where we can start to peel back the layers to connect to our true self. 
that's where it lives too. Our soul resides in the heart, our purpose, our knowing, our, our divine spark. That's where it lives. Our power centers and our solar plexus, our gut. So every time, you know, my power diminished, I got gut punched. I keep saying that, but that's where it lives. I love the energy body. Don't get me started. So how do we start to release this stuff? We have to come with a solution, right? We have to have tools. I'm tool driven. We have to have tools. So where do we even begin? Every journey is different. For me, physical practice, it started with the physical. It started with yoga. It was easy for me to, it was easier for me to start to look inwards through physical, you know, inadvertently, right? All of a sudden I had teachers and they could help me and they were telling these messages in classes that I could pick up as these little nuggets, you know, these these wisdom nuggets that slowly but surely I started to accumulate and started to ask more and get curious and saying, okay, well, I don't want to live this part of my life anymore. So I'm going to shift into this one. So as the awareness grew and I could start to shift, then it was, okay, I need professional help. So therapy, somatic therapy, getting into the body, starting to work around the nervous system stuff, the trauma, the dissociation. And I won't lie, like I'd be lying to you if I said it's gone. I still dissociate, but I have a deeper understanding of why I have the tools to manage my energy levels and my nervous system now so that I don't have it as much. It's only under certain circumstances that are really specific now. So I've pinned it down. I've honed it. It's not perfect, but wow, have I come a long way. And now I'm in a place where I'm like, okay, I can build an empire, you know, the inner child work. Oh my God. I'll never forget the first time my aunt, bless her soul, she's passed on, said, Sherry, you need to do it. Go buy one of those inner child workbooks. And I looked at her and I was like, no fucking way. Can I do that work? There's no way. It made me completely nauseous every single time I thought about it. And now it's like, I recognize, but slowly but surely I started to do the work in different ways, whether it was through guided meditations, whether it was through visualizations, whether it was through work with my therapist, it was slowly but surely, but I did it. And I remember recently discovering that I was at the point of healing my inner teenager. And I was like, I made it. I've grown up a little <laughs> at 47, but it felt like really a huge epiphany, huge, huge. And when we have goals that are bigger than us and we start to move towards them, then like I said, we start to do the work, like that first class. Notice anytime you start something new or you head into a new course or whatever it is where you're going to grow, the universe starts to, or your life starts to move at a pace where it helps you to change inside and outside if you have that awareness around it and uh, creates a ripple effect. So, so start to lean into what your purpose is and clarity around that and something bigger than you. And then also bigger than you is, you know, if you believe in this, then connection to the sacred, connection to something that lights you up that's bigger than you. So for me, I have my guides and the divine mother and other prayers and modalities and tools that I use. But it, it really did start in that physical space of yoga and what allowed me to connect into my body. That's not for everybody, of course, but I love it. And research. For me, research is important. Knowledge is power. Whether it's Google or books, I don't care. Listen to podcasts. Find people that are speaking to the stuff that's in your heart. You know, we're not trying to escape it. So that escapism is is hurtful, is harmful sometimes. 
just honoring the fact that it's a process and the healing takes time and we can grow while we're in that space. We need a little bit of that like fuck it attitude sometimes like because we're going to start to change our life and we're going to change the way it looks and some of the people around us are going to fall away sometimes. So we need a little bit of that fuck it attitude. Yeah, just honor that your story is your gift, especially if you're a healer or you're somebody who's in service to other people. You know, I know I said earlier that who will work with me if I tell this story, but I also talked to my good friend, Julie, who's on the podcast and she talks about how she's been through some shit too, but her gifts are tremendous and I've been through some shit, (laughs) but my gifts are tremendous. My intuitive gifts, my capacity to see the big picture of ideas and visions for other people and myself, to see 10 steps ahead for all of them, for business, in business and in life, to see the outcomes and before they happen, to be creative, to see like the capacity for an empire, et cetera, et cetera. I have gifts that I know will help other people to grow as well. And those only come from this journey that I've been on. Not only, but they help to for me to be aware of my gifts in the first place. To not be afraid to be sensitive in the world. You know? And so for healers and people that are in service to others, you've probably been through some shit. <laughs> there was probably a catalyst. So we can honor that in the process. And then when we go through our dips and our highs and our lows, and I mean, I go through some pretty epic lows even still, they just don't last as long as they used to, you know, 24 hours instead of seven days. (laughs) When I go into dorsal bagel, which is that complete shutdown, when my nervous system says, nope, (laughs) hopefully that doesn't happen today. Just kidding. I don't think it will. Every time we show up and we honor, we start to release it and we shine light. Yeah. So a little magic never hurts too. you know, find the magic things, find the magic things in the world and find little rituals and stuff that ground you, find people that love you, community, back to community and start to speak your truth. And that's all you can do in spaces where you're accepted. I should add, you might have to pull in a little of that fuck it, but you know, so be it. So there's my story. I've gone from just that pit of pain and despair and shame. And it's not that it doesn't live within me. It's We live with shame. It's, it is what it is. But I'm like declaring my growth now and how far I've come and, you know, the love that I can feed myself and the worth that I know I have. And even those words are hard to say sometimes. Because again, it's like we're not, we're told in this world to be a bit modest, right? Especially, you know, as a woman, be modest. Don't take too much space for your dreams and your accolades. So here I am. I'm taking space for my accolades in the face of some of the darkest shame you've ever seen. Yeah, it can be done. And I encourage you to trust in that path and and that journey and, and know that your gifts come from a place of they can't sometimes it can come from that place of darkness and that you're seen and there's community and there are ways out and through you know if I can do it trust me you can do it (laughs) I remember I'll tell one last story because I've been talking for a while but this is a pretty hefty topic I tell this story a lot but it was just this like incredibly pivotal moment when I was at that workshop oh my god I feel like I say it too much but 
this four desires workshop with Rod Stryker, my teacher and one of my teachers. And we had to figure out to like move into the space of our desires and our purpose. We had to figure out what was holding us back and what was holding me back was my fear of shining. And that hit me like a lead balloon. And I remember really crying because I was like, oh my God, this is so hard for me. And then I went on to discover that it was related to my trauma and that safety mechanism that I had that was so (laughs) deeply wound. So it took me years to unwind it. So now I'm like, okay, it feels a little looser now. I can do this. I can shine. I can create new connections. I can grow and create empire, a magical and human empire. How about that? So I encourage you to be gentle with yourself, to lean into courage. You are wonderful. You are loved. You are love. You are more powerful than you can ever think. I promise you are more powerful than you think. You have a unique purpose in this world. I promise you. Your heart is beautiful because it is the mirrored reflection of all the beauty that you see around you, truly. And shame, the shame journey is hard, hard, hard D, but you can do it. You can build that strength. You can build that courage. You can build those boundaries. You can create vulnerability in places where you're meant to, where you're held and know that you're loved. Thank you for listening to this very long story about shame and for joining me to shine a light on it. And I hope you can too. And I hope that if this was the catalyst you needed then, or to feel like you're held or seen, then so be it. You are wonderfully hot human and magical. Thank you for being here. Connection makes us all hotter. Don't be shy to like, share, and follow me. I hope you feel like this episode filled your cup today and see you very soon.